Scripture lesson I have uh, chosen to read from the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, the sixth chapter, beginning at verse 1. Romans 6 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> That's Romans 6, 1 through 11. We're continuing our series on uh, first century Christians uh, based on the quote from George Town's letter in which he said that after all these years of Hellenistic constraints that it was amazing to find first century Christians. And uh, one of the clouded issues I feel through the years and through the Hellenistic restraints is of what we have to do to be saved. And uh, in other words, the conditions of salvation. <clears throat> there are so many versions and perversions of the gospel that I'm sure that people don't really know what to believe. And uh, even baptism that we find so necessary for salvation and many people do not even consider important. And uh, in fact, it's amazing to me, and I've learned that by experience, that even the largest group in the world that practices immersion doesn't believe it's necessary for salvation. I had a run-in with him one time in Wrightwood, California, when we had some young people who wanted to be baptized at camp, and we didn't have a pool at that camp, and the next camp did. and after we baptized the young people in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, the leaders asked me if we believed it was necessary for salvation. I said, we definitely do. He said, well, if, if we had known that, you would not use our pool. So that was their reaction to our baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, as the Bible says. On top of this... <clears throat> Radio and TV preachers can't baptize. They can't reach out and baptize anyone. So they just say, bow your head and and ask Jesus into your heart. And, and that's it. And if you discuss these things with people, they'll bring up the thief on the cross, almost without exception. Say, well, here he was. He doesn't, couldn't be baptized. And Jesus said he would be with him in paradise. 
So baptism must not be important. And we even have one of our preachers that <clears throat> baptizes everybody that comes along regardless of belief. And he just says, well, let God sort them out <clears throat> in the end. I, I think this is bad policy. 1 Corinthians 3, there's a section there that tells how careful we should be to, to build on the foundation in the church. So, uh, But this is all, to me, is just... Uh, what I'm trying to bring out is it's part of the ongoing Greek or Hellenistic constraints that have changed the Word of God so much and practice of the Bible so much that we uh, don't really recognize it is what the Bible is talking about. So in talking about the conditions of salvation, we realize that there are conditions. Salvation is not universal. Bible does not teach that, and uh, it does teach uh, universal responsibility, but it does not teach universal salvation. So when we go into the Bible, we find out that God has done His part, Jesus has done His part, and then there's a part for us to do as well. Uh, I think some of these texts that talk about uh, God, even while we were sinners, He commended His love toward us so that Christ died for us and now that we're justified by His blood and saved from wrath through Him and when, even when we're enemies we have been made friends uh, through His life so you see that there are just <clears throat> many texts in fact uh, it is not a case of man finding God it's a case of God finding man He's approached us uh, he has revealed His way of salvation to us. It is not a case of us discovering or finding it. He's revealed it to us and it's up to us to hear it, believe it, and accept it. And the sacrifice of Christ, in fact, you get over in 1 Corinthians fifteen three, the part of the gospel that He proclaimed to us was that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. This is a, a part of the gospel that has been uh, preached to us. In fact, when Jesus came into his ministry, he said, repent and believe the gospel. So this is one of the parts that's, uh, that is dependent upon us. In other words, God did his part. And through His grace, Jesus did His part by allowing Himself to be crucified and become the, the greatest sacrifice of all times, the only one that could bring salvation to man. And so, He leaves a part for us. Uh, the golden text of the Bible, John 3.16, tells about God loving, so loving the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth. So this is putting it on us. Uh, or Mark 16, 15, 16, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. So there is, uh, they have done, God and Jesus have done their part, and, and it's leaving it up to us uh, to do our part. I think one of the classic questions about 
being saved is that one of the Philippian jailer in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Remember Paul and Silas were put in prison uh, for preaching. They had healed a, a woman and uh, they were put in prison as being against the gods. In the middle of the night they, uh, they were praying and singing in, in jail and uh, there was an earthquake and they were, they were loosed from the prison. And we all remember how that the jailer, supposing that people would have escaped, he was about to kill himself and Paul and Silas said, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Most prisoners would have beat it if they got a chance if the prison was open, but not these men. And so he was, uh, he trembled and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he um, knew he needed it and he knew that there was something to be done. And so Jesus, they said unto him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. Uh, so it was, uh, a lot of people stop when it says that they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But it says that they went on to preach unto him the word of the Lord. And we all know that when you get in Acts, the 8th chapter and the 5th verse, it talks about Philip the deacon going down to Samaria and preaching Christ unto them. Then the 12th verse says, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So preaching Christ, as we, we know, involves the kingdom of God. I have before showed that they are absolutely inseparable. You can have the best news in the world about the kingdom and all the glories of it, but if you don't, we don't have any way to get into it, into it what, it's no value to hear this, these great and wonderful news. But if you have Jesus Christ who died for our sins and was raised and is living, but he is not going to be a king if he's not going to reign, if he's not going to reign, raise the dead, uh, what is there to that? So you see that they, they are interdependent upon each other, that the, that the good news of the gospel is the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. So he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they preached to him the word of the Lord. And um, then it, it, to me it is so wonderful because it goes on to say uh, that, he, that they took him the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and they were baptized, he and all his straightway, in the same hour of the night. And uh, it, it was wonderful. It, was, it, it wasn't enough just to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He tried to undo some of what he had done by washing their stripes, and then he was, he was baptized. Uh, I always will remember, as long as I have a mind, <clears throat> the time at, at Brush Creek, Ohio, Emory Macy was preaching in uh, fall meetings, and it was in November, and it was cold. Anyway, the, uh, he said, shall we give the invitation tonight? And I said, well, let, let's think about it. And anyway, he gave such a wonderful sermon. I said, yes. And nine people came forward, and we, they were all baptized at the same hour of the night. We went down to Brush, the Brush, Brush Creek, and everybody aimed their headlights toward the, the creek, and we, we baptized them that night. It was uh, it was a wonderful experience. 
not just not just the fact there were so many, but the fact that we it was just so spontaneous and it was so wonderful to to do it. But the uh, we have to realize that there are steps, and the first thing, of course, is that we have to hear. We cannot believe unless we hear. This this goes along, and I I am one of those who uh, recognizes and feels the great responsibility as as a pastor and a shepherd uh, to to preach the word of God straight, because lives are dependent upon that, and so as a result, we have to to preach the the whole gospel. Uh, we have to preach what people need to know in order to be saved. And so we know that from Romans 10:17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, they cannot nobody can believe unless they hear. And as that shows how important the the, the, the preaching is and uh, Paul went into this so fully, I'm not going to go into it today, but in the first part of 1 Corinthians, he talked about the foolishness of preaching. And that a lot of people consider that that foolishness, but he said God has ordained it that, that this is the means by which people hear and believe uh, so that they can go on through these uh, conditions and steps uh, to, to go to salvation. Uh, Belief or faith comes next. Faith comes by hearing. If you look up the word belief or the word faith, you find out they're from the same Greek word, root word. And it has to do with, with, with knowing. And then it has to do with uh, believing, accepting, or trusting. There's more to it than just, uh, than just belief, but there has to be belief. You have to believe the gospel, so we have to know what the gospel is. And uh, so, so when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, they were baptized. And so that is of ultimate importance. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the whole, the whole chapter is devoted to faith, and it said, without faith it is impossible to believe. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So that that is of, of utmost importance. And uh, faith is not something that comes to you whole at one time. It's something that grows. Our confidence grows. Our knowledge grows. Our faith grows in God. In fact, I, I oftentimes use the example of Abraham, the father of the faithful, how he didn't do everything right the first time. Tried to do things his own way at times. And uh, he grew in faith. And uh, that, that's encouragement to me to realize that, that uh, in our weak faith that uh, we have hopes of, of growing. The next uh, condition that it mentions is repentance. That they believed and repented. Uh, a lot of people uh, equate repentance and, and tears uh, yes, there can be tears with repentance, but repentance actually means making up your mind or coming to a decision. And uh, that, that is uh, of ultimate importance. Once one has heard, one has believed, one uh, comes to a decision. And um, there is a text in Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter, that's very interesting. It has problems to us unless we study it. 
but it's very important, the 8th through the 10th verse, he said, Though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same letter has made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Uh, then you need to realize that there are two different words. One means reform, one means regret. And so to, to paraphrase this, though I made you sorry with a letter, I don't regret it though I do regret it. Uh, for I perceive the same letter has made you sorry. Now I rejoice, not that you made sorry, but that you sorrowed to a change of mind and heart, or to reformation. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us or nothing. For godly sorrow worketh a reformation to salvation not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world works death. There are very few things in this life that we don't sometimes regret. Things that we did do or didn't do, did say or didn't say. But if we want to do something in life that has no regrets, is to live for the Lord. To have this reformation to salvation. That, uh, that you'll never regret. Uh, the Word of God, the plan of God, <clears throat> the way of God does no one ill. It can only bless. And uh, that uh, we have for sure. So on the day of Pentecost when Peter realized that the Jews were repentant upon killing the Christ, he said, Repent or reform and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So this is an order. Repent or reform and be baptized for the remission of sins. It does not say do this because your sins have been remitted, but do it in order for the remission or removal of your sins. So we're not <clears throat> forgiven or saved the minute we believe. That is uh, a part of a process. The next step or the thing that it mentions is confession. And all this means is to acknowledge or profess Christ. Uh, he, he talked about how bad it was not to confess Him on earth and the fact that He would not confess or acknowledge us in the kingdom. Uh, so we need to we need to acknowledge him today. So we, when we realize that he died for our sins, and uh, we come to this great confu conclusion and and uh, decide to serve God, then we acknowledge our need of him. In fact, in Romans the tenth chapter, where it talks about uh, <clears throat> faith coming by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God, it also talks about how confession is made unto salvation. How that with the heart we believe, but with the mouth we confess uh, to God. So this is a very interesting concept. The ninth and 10th verses 
of the 10th chapter. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. My, in, my, in my mind, the, the purpose of, of that public acknowledgement is to give a symbol and a sign to the world and to those about us that we have made this decision. It's just like marriage. Uh, you could be married in private, uh, and, you, and I even believe sometimes that people can be married without a, a ceremony, but, but to acknowledge to the public that I'm, I'm taking this woman as my wife, she is taking me as her husband, this is a, forming a bond and a trust, an acknowledgement and, and, a, and a celebration and a, a revelation to the world and the people around us that, that we have made this decision to give our lives to each other. So to me, this acknowledgement that Jesus is our Savior, the Son of God, He died for our sins, was buried, was raised again, and is coming again as His kingdom, uh, this is a public acknowledgement to the world that we are deciding to serve Him, and therefore all of us in this come to, to share and to bear and to uh, help those who have made this decision. Of course, then after this, we, we have baptism, which is the putting on of Christ in the watery grave. In fact, the sixth chapter of the book of Romans, which we read as a scripture lesson, is so plain about how we're <clears throat> baptized into Christ, baptized into his death, buried with him by baptism into death, planted together in the likeness of his death. All of these are pointing circumstantially to the method of baptism, which is immersion. In fact, uh, this is one place in the Bible where the translators just transferred the Greek word because baptize is a Greek word. It's not an English word. It's, a, it's the word baptizo, which means to immerse. And uh, it, the thing that I find so interesting about it is it is a word used by the people who dyed cloth. What does that say? When we're, die, when we're baptized, we're different. When you die, you you're die or put color in clothes, you're different. You go in one color and come out another color, but there is a difference. And so it is with the person who is immersed in Christ. Uh, yes, we're the same person physically, but what we're saying is that we are different. We are now members of the body of Christ members of God's family. We were dead in sins, now we're dead to sin. In fact, that's what it brings out so strongly here in the sixth chapter. You who were dead in sin are now dead to sin. And we reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. We're not really dead, we're still the same, same person. That's the story of the two natures that's brought out in the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. They were the, the same physical person, but we have a new nature that's been implanted that wants to serve God and wants to feed on the Word of God. So this is this, this change. 
change in a sit, change in stand, change in walk, change in work, change in warfare. These are all brought out, brought out in the book of Ephesians. The difference between being one in the world and being one in Christ. Uh, these are the, the differences. And so therefore we are immersed uh, in the waters of baptism, buried in water uh, for the remission of our sins. This is not the completion of the Christian walk. Uh, I never will forget one of our pastors, in fact I can mention he's dead, Brother Harvey Krogh, told about one time when he was pastor of the Hope Chapel Church in South Bend, Indiana. Some folks came to him and said they wanted to be immersed. He said, you'll never see us again because this is the end of the Christian experience. And, I, and he said, yeah, but they just didn't get it right. That's the front end of the Christian experience, not the latter end. And so it is that baptism is the front end of the Christian experience. So as a result, it's just like 1 Corinthians 10 and that great uh, example of the children of Israel in the wilderness, how they came out of Egypt, type of the world. They were immersed to Moses in the cloud and the sea and came into the wilderness. They did not enter immediately into the promised land, but after the 40 years wilderness experience, then they crossed Jordan to come into the promised land. You can use it as a type if you wish, if the resurrection or change, whatever it is, but <clears throat> you don't enter in, into the promised land immediately. It's after a, a journey, a wilderness journey, as it were, brought out in the Scriptures. So, <clears throat> Romans 6, going on in there, it, it talks about how that we don't let have sin have dominion over us and the changes that will be in our lives. Uh, this is a spiritual happening. It's not something that um, we can do by our own strength, but it's something that it, there's a blessing from God. It's just like having the righteousness of Jesus implanted in us so that He is, God is seeing us through Jesus. He's not just seeing us, He's seeing us through Jesus. And therefore, He's seeing us as righteous in, in, uh, through our uh, being in Christ. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing, but it, to me, it's, uh, it's a loving response to what God has done for us. I, I just know I cannot do enough for God. Uh, even though I've served Him nearly 70 years in the ministry, it, it, that's nothing. That's nothing for what, compared to what He's done for us and is doing for us and will do for us. So, baptism is, and all these things are not burdens. Uh, baptism is a work, but it's not a work. It's a, it's a response uh, to the way He's loved us and what the things He's done for us. So we want to share in His death we want to share in His burial. We want to share in His resurrection. And that's why we're planted in a watery grave to come forward to walk in newness of life. It's a, it's, it's a, a wonderful journey.
And it's a, a wonderful response to, to what uh, God and Jesus have done for us. So when we read Galatians 5, and it talks about the works of the flesh, and then turns around and talks about the fruit of the Spirit, we realize that the works of the flesh were ours, but not now. That we have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, that which there is no law. And these are the, the great fruits that show when we are walking in Him. They are works in a way, but they're really fruits. Natural result of, of our being in Him. The thing we learn from looking at these steps is that there is not one step that we call conversion, but there are many steps in the process. And they are part of the conditions that God has laid out uh, for us to be in His family. I believe that in studying these, accepting these conditions, that we do indeed become first century Christians.